Hey, Tom, how are you feeling? Hey, Michael, I'm good. Are you still applying to McKinsey? That's a joke. <laughs> well, okay, so this is, I'm going to do the last one about salaries at McKinsey. There's been a change in salaries, and it's mm-hmm. not a good change. Hmm. I want to talk about it. And then I'm just going to do a kind of a wrap-up before we talk about it. So you notice that I was talking about exit policies at McKinsey, the language they're using, mm-hmm. the selection of office managers, and now I'm going to talk about salaries. The reason I'm bringing this up is because when I'm guiding people in TCO4, these things are making a decision in terms of which firm I'm asking them to join and which office I'm asking them to join. Mm-hmm. Um, if I see a firm doing something that I don't think is good, I may, it's not that I'll tell them not to join the firm. I may tell them, look, you need to join the firm because they need certain people to speak out. So you join them, but, but you, this is the way you need to manage your interaction with the firm. Right. So I'm not saying don't join McKinsey. Obviously not. That'll be ridiculous. But I'm hoping that I know McKinsey people listen to the podcast, that they'll listen to this and they will stop these things before they have a negative consequences. Now, people are going to say that I'm saying that you shouldn't experiment. Of course you should experiment. Mm-hmm. Experimentation leads to good things, but you need to know when to stop the experiment. That's the point I'm making. Well, and that's the whole point of experiments. If if you knew it was a good thing going in, you wouldn't have to experiment, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be an experiment. It's something that you have to try and then see how it see how it's going to play out and then react. You know, if someone from McKinsey Advisements has a very good reason why someone who's not good enough to be a director can manage the most important assets, I'm fine with it. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe they have a system whereby. They've, they set up a dual structure. I don't think they do. They have done that because I've checked, but maybe they have. But the point is the experiment is not working. And some of these experiments, like the exit policy and the language, are definitely not working. That should stop. The one mm-hmm. of the office directors, I actually, I remember in the last podcast, I worded it as a question mm-hmm. because I don't know the answer. Maybe there's a good answer for this, but I don't see it, right? Right. Now we're going to talk about salaries here, right? McKinsey okay. has made a change to their salaries, which is very subtle but interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Previously, when you did pro bono work, you received a full salary at the firm. Okay. Right? So, and this would be like in the case when you're um, what they call what do they call it on the beach? Well, no, not on the beach. Um, that is oh. Uh, but oh. Okay. Pre- but sometimes there you can be seconded to a pro bono project to help a pro bono client. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, the firm has now made a change in their policy. Again, I don't know if it's national, but it's definitely happening in some landmark offices. Okay. Your salary gets reduced when you're in a pro bono project. Okay. Now, this has enormous implications. One is the kind of pro bono projects that are usually done are for things like the National Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm-hmm. For example, when I was a partner, my pro bono client was the National Philharmonic Orchestra, mm-hmm. or some Philharmonic Orchestra, right? And I sat on one of some of the committees and so on. Now, why did we serve the National Philharmonic Orchestra? Why do you think we served them? Uh, I can think of two reasons. One, you like the Philharmonic Orchestra and want them to be better at what they do. And two, it can help you. Um, it can be good for the firm to do that. Now, personally, I hate classical music. I, I get that. There's a lot of classical music that, that it takes a lot. It's hard to listen to. No, it's no, a very quiet taste. Thing. I'm not saying classical music is not great. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. it's amazing if you like it. I just don't like it. Yeah. I feel that if you poked a cat, it would make a better sound. <laughs> so, but I believe that artists need to have a place to to work. To, to work s- exactly. To I don't like the music, but I I respect your right to to you know uh, to work and to help other people who like it. Right. So so that's mm-hmm. why I want to do it. But there's another more nefarious reason, right? Who do you think sits on the board of the Philharmonic Orchestra? Oh, some. Um 
I'm sure it's some very influential people. The heavy hitters of the heaviest hitters. Yes. You do basically every time you you talk to the board, you're basically advertising the firm without even mm-hmm. advertising the firm. Every time you do a project for the board, you are basically advertising the work of the firm. Yes. That is why consulting firms do work for major pro bono clients, which is why they do free work for universities. Mm-hmm. When HEC wanted to restructure the university, they went to many different firms. One firm, I'm not going to name them, was kind of ridiculous and said, we do enough free work for you, we can't do this. What do you think their biggest rival did? Did it for free? They jumped at the chance. Right? Because yes. they, they understand the, the payoff is enormous. The payoff is so significant, it boggles the mind. It's very rare opportunity to bring the most powerful people in a room together mm-hmm. and basically advertise for free. Mm-hmm. That's your chance. You do pro bono work for the Museum of Metropolitan Art. You're basically standing in front of the wealthiest men in the New York City. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's power, right? Yes. So now, when you cut your salaries for people to do work for the most powerful people in a city, what are you essentially doing? So you're going, you're, how do I say this? I have this idea that for some reason the words are just not in my brain. Um, I'll help you. People, are not, people you are not going to want to go there. And then you're not going to be putting your best people in front of, in front of these boards of directors and you, because you're undervaluing the work. Exactly. You're going to put people there who have a rich husband or wife and can take a cut in salary. Mm-hmm. You're going to put in people, you're self-selecting. It's like having a non-paid internship. That's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Right? You are, but you're doing something even worse. You are, you're basically sending a very clear signal that working with some of the most powerful corporate titans in the world is not, somehow no longer important to the firm. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, look, you're an outstanding consultant and there's a chance to work for, I don't know, Rupert Murdoch, right? I don't know if he sits on any boards or anything, but he probably does. There's a chance to advise Rupert Murdoch on the organizational restructuring of whatever Rupert Murdoch supports, right? Mm -hmm. But if you do the project, we're going to cut your salary. What kind of message is that? It hurts the firm in the short term because you won't get your best people. And it hurts the firm in the long term because you didn't get the best people to start off with. Yes, and then the people that are there aren't aren't the best people, and then that impact that that is what do you call the opposite of taking advantage of an opportunity? <laughs> it's throwing away an opportunity. Yeah, or killing it. Um, yes, definitely killing it. The point is that it's a very, very, very short-sighted strategy, and I don't understand why they did it. And I know it's happened in some offices. I don't know if it's a national policy because. I haven't had the opportunity, and neither do I know all of the office leaders to contact them, right? Right. And they probably would not even, some of them won't even respond to me. Right. But it's happening in some very important cities. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, yeah, look, if I was BCG, and I wanted to take out McKinsey, I'd change my exit policies, I'd tighten my language, fix the office directors, and actually pay people a bonus if they took on pro bono work. Mm-hmm. Because you get your best people to serve some of the most important captains in industry, mm-hmm. build a great relationship, and who do they come to help later? They come mm-hmm. to you, right? I mean, it doesn't always work that way, but honestly, it works that way most of the time. Mm-hmm. 
So this policy to me is one of those ones that left me head scratching. Why would they, I mean is money so tight these days? That I don't know. I, could, I, I don't think, think money is that tight. I think it is a misallocation of priorities. Yeah, mm-hmm. is you know are they saying that the billionaires and millionaires and corporate captains that sit on nonprofits and foundations are no longer important to the firm? I doubt that. Yeah. Have they found some other way to get to them? Like maybe there's a McKinsey policy to wine and dine the mistresses of CEOs. Have they found another route to the CEO? Probably not. Hmm. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. To me, it's very short-sighted. Mm-hmm. You know, cutting salaries for people who want to work on pro bono projects is, is so short-sighted, it's actually baffling. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it can't work. It just cannot work. It's like the perfect environment to, you know, I don't know who sits in the Museum of Metropolitan Art Board, but I'm assuming some heavy hitters there, right? Yeah. But I'm assuming it would be like the best situation to build a relationship with them is to do a project for free, Mm -hmm. send your best people and absolutely dazzle them, and then you have a relationship with them. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, McKinsey could argue that maybe, look, we've already got good relationships with people. We don't need more relationships. But my God, that would be short-term thinking. You can never have too many good relationships. Uh, right. You can never have too many opportunities to showcase your skills. Mm-hmm. You can never have too many opportunities in it to spend time in a room with you know, important people in industry. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that to me. It makes no sense. It's a very bad policy. It's going to hurt them. I remember when... Um, some major art foundation in the UK was uh, restructuring. They had McKinsey do the work, and then they hired the associate Cressida Pollock. She's a Sloan, I think, MBA. That's mm-hmm. a quintessential example of how this would work. You have a McKinsey consultant. She does the work for the you know the uh, foundation. They mm-hmm. liked her so much they hired her as a CEO, even though she's an associate. Mm-hmm. She now represents McKinsey at this foundation. She's talking to all of these leaders, and they all they're thinking as well. She's a McKinsey person. If we want to get someone like her, we have to hire McKinsey, right? Yes. But now exactly. that I'm thinking about it, the reason she probably left is because she probably wasn't earning enough money on the project. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the client still doesn't know that, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's, it's short-sighted. I don't think it's a good strategy. I think it'll backfire in the long term. Hmm. Yeah, that makes and sense. all of McKinsey's old strategies need to stay, but these four should stay. Some of their policies and, mm-hmm. you know, they need to change and they are changing it. We'll talk about those in later podcasts. Mm-hmm. But these four must be changed. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay, let's stop there. Any questions, Tom? No, thank you. Any comments or anything about that? We've covered a few. We've talked about the stress and fatigue, how firms compete, exit policies, the language, the office mm-hmm. directors, and salaries on non-profit work. This is a lot to, a lot to chew on. I mean... Like you were saying, there's there, there are small changes, but it just seems like there's it's very just because something is a small change doesn't mean it's not there's not a big implication behind that. It's like every small change. It's like um, it's like let's assume you, every morning you and your wife or husband or boyfriend have coffee together, but your wife makes you coffee, mm-hmm. and then one day she stops making you coffee. It's a small change, right? Mm-hmm. But why did she stop making you coffee is the most yeah. important question. Yeah, exactly. So it's the why. Yeah. So when people look at this, they'll say it's a small change, it's not important. I'm not interested in that. I want to know why the change happened. What was the sequence of governance decisions mm-hmm. that allowed it to happen? Right. 
That's far more important. What is the chain of custody for this decision? Mm-hmm. Who approved it? Who vetted it? Who is aware of it? Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the million dollar question, who's going to cover it up later, right? <laughs> it's always the cover up. Or the disavowal, right? Yeah, exactly. Some People know these things are happening. You can't implement these things without some very senior people knowing about it. Mm-hmm. You can't implement a salary decision at McKinsey without very senior people knowing about it. Hmm. You can't decide you want a principal to run an office without the most senior people, without, the, I would say, the managing partner knowing about it. You can't change the language unless it's <laughs> been changed at the top. You right. can't change... Well, exit policies, I can admit there that a, a one recruiting director could do it because I've only right. seen it in one office, so I can admit it's maybe a regional thing. Right. But he's a, he's a recruiting director which means he's talking to other recruiting directors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's either sharing it with them and they're saying nothing, or he's not sharing it with them, which means he knows he's doing something wrong. So which raises the question, why is no one else aware that he's doing this wrong? Mm-hmm. See how I think like a detective. This That's is what a- happens when you watch the killing all episodes in three days, and you watch <laughs> True Detective all episodes in two days. Right? <laughs> it, it just changes your mindset. You ask these questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. And again, just so people are clear, it's, it's nothing negative. McKinsey, we're not saying McKinsey is a bad firm. This is a, the fact that we can ask these questions about the firm is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It will make them stronger, right? Mm-hmm. It's like what I always tell people that complain about things in the United States. The fact, I say the fact that you can ask these questions in the United States is a good thing. Yes, exactly. Try asking this in your own country and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. It will probably not end very well for you, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that we can ask these questions is a good thing. And look, n- a lot of things consulting firms try fail. We, we just don't talk about it. So right. if you're listening to these things, don't think McKinsey is losing their way. This is an experiment. They only will lose the way if this becomes entrenched. Right. And it is far from certain that will happen. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking it's very unlikely this things, these things will become entrenched. So people listening to us don't think, oh, now we've got to go to BCG. Those firms have their own problems. Right. Again, it doesn't make them bad. The, mm-hmm. the process of leadership is experimenting and some ideas are just going to be ridiculous and you'll stop them. Yes. It's only once, what I would say is bad when you institutionalize an idea. Then I would say it's bad. But none of these ideas are institutionalized yet. Mm-hmm. Right? Any number of things could be causing that. Interesting. That's true. So it's like a doctor. We can do surgery at this point. Okay. Let's stop there, right? Okay. Very good. Thanks, Tom. Mm-hmm. You're welcome.